Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, a show that dedicates itself to the best racket sport in the world. For the most extensive tennis podcast, let's join Ryan Tennyson, Josh Campbell, Joel Fritchie, and your host, Val Febo. 2018 is upon us and the tennis season has begun. It's been a wonderful month here in Australia. Alex Diminor has proved that he's everything we thought. Nick Kyrgios has played quite well. Novak Djokovic has returned. So has Stan Vavrinka. Maria Sharapova is back in Melbourne. And Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal have kicked off exactly where they left things in 2017. This is Breakpoint Podcast. We are back for 2018. Val Ferbo here with you. Before we get into any of that, we're going to talk. Well, we're also going to talk about the Australian Open so far. Preview what's going to happen for the rest of the tournament. Joel Frucci is going to join me and. A lot more, really. It's been an unbelievable month so far. We've had some great stories, some negative ones as well, and we'll talk all about those. But before we do any of that, Val Febo with Joel Frucci on Breakpoint. Joel, great to see you. Happy New Year, and welcome back to the studio. Yeah, likewise, Val. Good to see you. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, what a what a start to the season it's been. Uh, absolutely loving the Australian Open. Been getting out there, which has been great. Melbourne Park, just absolutely a buzz. All the time, it's a great place to be at this time of year, and uh, I guess that's translated uh, onto the court as well. Yeah, it definitely has. It's been a really, it's been an interesting tournament, I think, to say the least. That that's what I've thought of it. I think the women's side has been brilliant. I think everything about it has been so good. I hope Serena retires, to be honest with you. <laughs> with, well, with how good it's been. Um, I, I kid, I kid. I, I'd love to see Serena back and equaling Margaret Court's record. But look, if if this is where women's tennis is going, I like it because there's no longer that one constant factor in every tournament that you look at Mm. and say, oh, she's going to win. You can't pick it. I had no idea what was going to happen in this women's tournament and I haven't been disappointed either because uh, I think this is the first time since 2010 we've had three unseeded players in in the quarterfinals um, and one of them has kicked on to the semifinals in Elise Merton. She's been phenomenal. Yeah. Won the tournament in Hobart. Played in the Hotman Cup. But she's gone. Uh, Hotman Cup doesn't count for win-loss. So we'll scratch that. But in Hobart, she won, I think, 9-0 and to start this season. So what a start from Elise Mertens. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, I really didn't expect her to win her, uh, her quarter against Alina's Vitalina uh, today. That was no. a surprise. Um, not to say that Alina was my, uh, my pick for... For the title, uh, but I certainly expected her to go uh, at least into the semifinals. I thought so. Uh, she was due. She's never um, done it before. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say I thought she was due um, that little uh, milestone. Uh, so I was surprised to see uh, Elise come through, and of course she's only twenty years old. So uh, good, good on her. Um, yeah, it just shows that there's a, an, I guess, a nice little future there uh, for another another nation in Belgium. They've had people like uh, Kirsten Flipkins go through there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, um, you know, the, uh, the women's side has been at, at its unpredictable best and I'm sure we'll crack more into it uh, later on in the show. We sure will. And as you said, with Belgium, they've had a lean period since the retirements of Kim Kleisters and Justine Enner. So, Kirsten Flipkins has made a Wimbledon semi-final in that time back in yeah. 2013, but no Belgian has done it since. So, brilliant stuff from Elise Mertens. And uh, we'll move over to the issues of the month really and or the news of the month and just before we get into or the returns of the stars and other things I want to ask you about one kid who I've particularly I I loved him before but I think I've got a man crush on him now Alex Alex Deminor this kid has got everything that I love about a tennis player he's got grit he's got determination he gets to absolutely everything and he wants to be there Mm. and that is what we have longed for as an Australian tennis community for so so long and we finally got it. Yeah, well, I second all that. Um, I mean, you, you could see um, in his match against Thomas Burdich in the first round that, you know, he's just got that little bit of physicality still to make up um, mm. before he really starts cracking in against those big players. But that said, I mean, of course, we did see him beat Milos Raonic, albeit an underdone Milos Raonic in, in Brisbane. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, Val, I mean, he's just so much fun to watch. He just tracks everything down. He's got a great determination. Um, and what I like most about him is off the court, he's got a great personality on him. Yeah. Um, just, just a happy chap. He's got, um, you know, he's got a, he's got, a, yeah, a personality. I mean, that's, that's yeah, exactly. the perfect word to describe and him. Not an arrogant one. Yeah, which well, is yeah, what he's... we've what we've longed for because the other mm. two certainly, um, certainly <laughs> aren't what he is. Um, I've walked past him a couple of times at Melbourne Park over the cup over the last couple of weeks, um, working for the Australian Open website, and I don't think I've seen him without a smile on his face, mm. which is what I want to see. It's it's awesome, and I love watching him play because he's just got that enthusiasm. He's very Hewitt esque in the way that he goes about it, but. 
look, he's. I just had to bring him up because he's a superstar and I want only the best for him. Hopefully we can track him down and get him on this show because um, that that would, I reckon that would be the ultimate. But we'll move on to the return of the stars and Novak Djokovic and Stan Wawrinka uh, have played at Melbourne Park. Andy Murray was supposed to, but pulled out late with his hip complaint, had surgery here in Melbourne. He's back in England now. Um, so we won't talk about him until he does return. So sad news for him, but Novak and Stan... Now, Stan lost, got demolished by Tennis Sangren, a man, tennis. That, a man that you hadn't heard of before this <laughs> tournament. I'm surprised. Um, no. With a name like that, he, he's quite he's quite popular, but he's got himself through to the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in one of the stories of the season so far. But where did you where did you see Stan's performance uh, well, at the Australian Open, and what did you make of him? Oh, well, I mean, all you can really say is, is disappointing. Um, and he, he just looked underdone. Mm. Um, no tournaments beforehand. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I say I, I didn't know um, anything about Tennis Sangren. And um, look, in all, in all your respect, and I'm, I'm sure he's at the moment, he's just pumping his chest out a, a little bit and saying, well, you know what, look at me. I'm in the, Why not? In the quarterfinals. And My yeah, name's Tennis and I'm yeah, in the quarterfinals. Absolutely. And he's from Tennessee as well. Um, yeah, and he <laughs> might be related to Ryan Tennyson. But um, no, look. No, we don't think so. Yeah, but I mean, look, Stan... Stan just looked underdone, um, and uh, yeah, I think it was it was clearly too soon for him to return. Um, yeah. And to touch on on Novak as well, I mean, uh, from what we saw from him against uh, Hyun Chung uh, the other night, as good as as uh, Hyun Won was, he was superb. Um, yeah. Don't take anything away from him, but it was pretty clear that Novak Djokovic is really still suffering from that elbow problem yeah. that he's having. Um, the uh, the wincing at the overheads um, and the, the stretching, um, that that to me just said he, he came back too soon. Um, and it, it's a shame because I know you're not his biggest fan, Val, but the reality is it is it is fun watching him tennis because he uh, watching him play tennis. Sorry, because he just tracks down balls. Yeah, oh, he's um, like a brick wall. Yeah, he's a brick he's, wall. He's, he can, a, he's one of the biggest talents we've seen on on the absolutely, tour. Absolutely, and he's one of he's one of the rare few that can just in an instant just uh, turn. Defense into offense. Oh, like with the click of the fingers. Um, but that that was the beauty of last night because yeah, well, Chung did that. Yeah, Chung, beat him he, in his own game. Yeah, it was like watching him play in a mirror. And I've heard comparisons mm. to to Michael Chang as well when we speak of Chung. But we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk about that a bit later. But Novak, I agree with you. He came back too early, as did Stan. I think Stan just did this to see where he was at. He just yeah. said, "Look, I'm happy to be back playing." Um, I, I don't really care about the result. I'm just happy I'm here. Look, it's disappointing to go out in the second round, but um, I'm, I'm playing tennis again, and that's the main thing. And Djokovic, um, look, he was he didn't play badly last night against Chung, but he he was in a considerable amount of discomfort, which yeah, was visibly as well, plain to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly think he got lucky with the draw because in the second round against Gal Monfi, if the match wasn't if it wasn't 69 degrees on court <laughs> on in round two, yeah. Monfi would have got through that, 100%. If there was any a time that Gale could beat Djokovic, yeah. that was it, and he didn't. And yeah. he didn't take his chance. And he didn't help himself either because, no. I mean, as, as subtle as it might seem, and tennis players really, you know, probably shouldn't be affected, but I don't think we can undervalue how stupid Gale's decision was to wear black um, on a 40-something degree day. On oh, RLA when it was seventy or dark on blue court. at least when he's, yeah, yeah. wear something white. I mean that was okay. it was very that's by the by. But anyway, let's but the thing on. is he <laughs> Djokovic was struggling visibly that day. They were both hunched over, Gail more so, and should have said, "Look, Novak has struggled in the heat in the past. I can wear him down here," but he didn't, and the mental battle got to him, and and that was the thing. I think these these new guys like Chung and Zverev and and Diminar or Diminor, sorry, and, and Dimitrov to an extent haven't been bashed and bullied by these big four guys. And they're coming out and saying, look, I'm younger than you. I can play for longer than you. And I don't, I don't really care what you've done to the rest of the tour. I'm here to, you know, I'm here to beat you. And they're not of the mentality of the Gasquets, the Burdiches, um, the Monfils, the Songers, or all of those guys, the Ferrers. Um, they're of a different mold now. And, and that's where I think if Djokovic had have come up against one of those guys in the second round, one of those up-and-comers... I don't think he would have won that. So it was lucky in sense of the draw that he did very well to get to the fourth round. And Chung was just too good. First time Novak's lost in straight sets at the Australian Open since the courts were green. 
yeah, in 2007, believe. which is unbelievable. So Heon Chung, phenomenal stuff. But uh, we'll move on for, from the return of the injured stars to the return to Melbourne of Maria Sharapova, to the scene of the crime, if you will, where she was <laughs> discovered to have been using Meldonium, the performance enhancing, or it was, I think it's performance enhancing. I don't know. It's, it's on the banned substance list anyway. But what did you make of the reception of Sharapova by the Australian crowd? Um, well, look, I, th- I think the thing is with Maria Sharapova, regardless of where she goes, she's going to have her fans. Yeah. So I think in that sense, we've got to expect that the reception is going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, I think certainly for, for I guess, objective thinkers that follow, follow the sport pretty closely... Um, yeah, I mean, it's look, it's hard to say. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of Maria Sharapova. And I, I know you're not either, Val. No, I'm not. Um, but I, look, I guess it just comes down to the individual. Um, yeah, yeah. There's really, there's really not a lot um, you can say about it. Um, if if it was me, I wouldn't be giving a bar of it. But look, there are people that will like her. There are people that you know, it's kind of forgive and forget. She's served her time. Yeah, and I guess. The reality of the situation is she has served her time in terms of uh, that that drug sentence. So, um, look, I'm a I'm a big believer that um, you know what, like once what's done is done. Um, she served the time. Let's move on. Um, I mean, I didn't like. I wasn't a huge fan of Marie before that. Um, mm. So that that's just my stance on it. Yeah. Well, I I do agree. I, I look. I'm I'm still of the opinion that the band probably wasn't strong enough. Um, but look, there, there's a lot of people that think it was it wasn't lenient enough. So, um, look, it's it's an interesting one. I personally, I'm not a fan of the way she goes about it on court. I, I think that her grunting, and we will get to that, needs. I, I I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of just some of the little idiosyncrasies she has on court, and the reception she got when I was on her first match in Margaret Court Arena, the crowd was loud. And I was really surprised by that because I thought, well, hang on, this is the first time she, she's been on a drug-imposed ban and the Australian Open had her at the draw ceremony, yeah. which I thought was... I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what I was seeing that night. And it just... It, it, it stunned me because, yes, she was the only champion or former champion in Melbourne at the time, but I would have anybody else do the draw rather than someone that's just come back. And Channel 7 made out like she was on a vacation. And I'm sorry, but she wasn't. And that that was that was my beef with it all. And that she just... I don't think the reception should have been that that great. And people... And Australian sporting... The Australian sporting community is a very forgiving one. Um, a lot of the time, they, they tend not... They tend to forget, forgive and forget, as you said. But I thought this one... Isn't this a little bit too big to forgive and forget, considering what's happened and and how sort of how ignorant she was to the whole situation? Uh, I know, I I know, we shouldn't really be bringing this up again. It's 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 such a tough one to answer. It really is. Um, yeah. Again, it's just it's just down to individuals, really. I guess I was very surprised. Anyways, everyone's going to have their own stance and stuff like that. Yeah, I was hmm. exactly. Well, let look. Speaking of Sharapova, you can't talk. You can't not talk about the grunting, and that's been a big issue over this Australian Open. Uh, Sabal, uh, Arena Sabalenka and Maria Sharapova, the two probably loudest ones. But I was sitting in the SEN bunker on the night that Barty played Sabalenka in the Australian <laughs> Open. How loud was it? You could hear her through the soundproof glass. That's how loud it was. But it was honestly the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. And the WTA needs to do something. Tournaments need to do something because this is ridiculous. How can you hit a tennis ball and feel the need to scream? I don't understand it. I never will. And it happens on the men's side as well. I'm not just pin pinpointing the women. As Arenka does it, Nadal does it, Djokovic does it, even Murray does it occasionally. Um, Kyrgios does it. A lot of them do. But it just it needs to stop unless you're physically that tired that every time you hit the ball, you have to grunt. Because I'm sorry, doing it in the first point, that's not on. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it really comes down to fatigue when we're talking about grunting. Yeah. Um, but the the very fuzzy line uh, that the uh, that the officials, I think, have got to, have got to take and the, uh, and the powers that be, what they need to look at is, and it's, it's a very, very ambiguous um, kind of proposition, right? Uh, we need to consider what is 
natural grunting and what is just sheer you know yelling out yeah. for the sake of it and um, screaming and screaming um but i mean to say that is fine i mean it's but it's much easier said than done i mean <laughs> oh, yeah. how how can we possibly decipher what is natural and what is not um, well yeah. you can you can decipher when they start doing it in the first set or early on in the first set if like sharapova or sadalenka if they start screaming at the top of their lungs after one point then that's grunting oh that's screaming and that shouldn't be allowed. I'm sorry. Players should be getting fined for that crap. Um, it, it just I, It's never sat well with me. And it's becoming synonymous with the sport, which I don't want. I don't want people to think of tennis and think of, of grunting. I, I, find it, I find it repulsive to think about because it's, it's not what the sport is about. And it's about the players and what they achieve and, and the way that the game is played. That should not be a synonym with tennis. I, I find it awful and it's it's what it's becoming because it's being constantly allowed and what i find ridiculous is that people were pinpointing sabalenka the other night joel and and they weren't talking about sharapova or azarenka when they're just as bad i I find it just if they're a big if they're not a big enough player they're in the firing line but if they're a big player oh no we've got to steer clear of them well on break point we don't steer clear we shoot everybody (laughs) Not just the short play, or not just the the lower ranked players. Yeah, well, to put it simply, uh, I think it's just a case of you know the profile. Um, yeah, that's that's really all you can put it down to. These players have power, um, and yeah. that's the reality of the situation. They bring fans in. Yeah, and like, not not to shoot the players down, but it's just it is, just stop, please. <laughs> I'm pleading with them all. Um, it's because it's it's just it's it's not on. And one final one, uh, just before we move on to the Australian Open, Joel, Nick Kyrgios, what did you make of his Australian summer? Um, yeah, good, I think. Uh, very good. Um, you know, as someone that continually says, you know, that I, that I, want, to, I want to like Nick, but it, he just makes it very difficult for himself. Um, I'll give it to him. Uh, I, th- I think he's improved. I think his maturity level has improved. I think he's still got a, a way to go. Mm-hmm. But I think he's improved tenfold. Um, and what we've seen from Nick uh, this summer, and we keep saying it, we keep banging on about it, this guy is so damn good at tennis. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's ridiculously good. Um, and we're just seeing it when he bombs aces down the middle and just gets himself out of trouble and he serves 200-kilometer second serves mm. and he fends off break points. It's just in- insane how good this guy is. And look, fair play to him. Um, you know, had his doubters. Uh, you know, there, there still will be lots of doubters. Um I think he came a, came away um, in this this little period. I think he's set himself up for for a good year. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that he still gets distracted, um, and we saw that in his match against uh, Grigor Dimitrov and against Songa to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Um, but for me, I think you can see that he's holding it together better um, than this point last year. So, yeah. look, it's good because look, as I keep saying, and I've said it many times before on this show, I, I want this guy to do well. He's just he's just made it difficult for himself in the past. Yeah, that's very well said. But look, I'm still not his biggest fan. Um, there's still a lot of things that I'd love to change about him. But he's playing some really good tennis. He's really playing some good tennis. And and look, my feelings are, my feelings about him to the side because you know very well what I feel about Nick Kyrgios and and the way he goes about things. I disagree with a lot of things that he does, but I can agree that his tennis is unbelievable and he made some significant improvements this year. And you don't have to like him to appreciate his tennis. And it's the same yeah. with same with everybody. You don't have to like the player, but if you if you appreciate what they can do on a tennis court, then that's the main thing. And, and uh, Nick played some unbelievable tennis, some unbelievable shots this uh, this year and won Brisbane, his first title on home soil, and then made the fourth round at the Australian Open for the first time in a couple of years. So brilliant stuff from Nick overall. And look, I'm not sure what we're going to see from him. I think he's got a, a truckload of work to do, but he he had a good start and that's the main thing for him. So let's let, I guess let's see when when the Davis Cup comes around what he does against the full strength German lineup and and then from then on in the Europe the European and American hard court seasons and then we get to the clay. So I think uh, the year has panned out nicely as you said Joel, but let's see what he can do. Plenty more still to come though on Breakpoint. We're going to talk about the Australian Open men's side next. Then we've got the women's, we've got Josh Campbell's predictions. They're not here tonight, Josh and Ryan. Can't wait to have them back in the studio next week. But plenty more to come on Breakpoint. Val Febo and Joel Fritchie with you. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. 
We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci here with you to wrap up all to wrap up the first three weeks of January and to discuss what has happened at the Australian Open so far. It's been an unbelievable tournament. Uh, the men's side, Joel, we'll start off with that. Now, do you think it's been a little bit bland? Um, yeah, in a way, in a way. Because um, there haven't been many matches that, you know, last year there were so many that sort of dropped your jaw. Like yeah, with Istamin Djokovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I think more so for the stories. This year, there haven't been many phenomenal stories. There have been, but there yeah, haven't at the same time. There's been a couple of near misses. Yeah, there has. And put it that way. And look, it's I've enjoyed it still, but it's it's. I think comparing it to, I don't think anything can ever compare to what happened last year. I don't think yeah. anything can will ever come even close, barring yeah. maybe in fifty years. Last we, year was a high bar to meet. Yeah. Oh, it was. And and the draw is open again for Roger and Rafa to, to possibly do battle again in the finals. So we'll see what happens. But your best match in the men's draw so far, Joel. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, near misses, mine was uh, Grigor Dimitrov in the second round up against Mackenzie McDonald, who was another player I uh, hadn't heard anything of. Um, and, I mean... In my defense, this was his first Grand Slam. Um, yep. Which it, it's no, second, sorry. Second second Slam. Yeah. So that took me a while to realize. Um, yeah, but um, so <laughs> I made a couple of dud calls in this in this <laughs> Open. I've made some horrendous calls, and one of them was, um, and I was at this game, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell the story in a minute, um, but we're sitting in uh, RLA. Grigor Dimitrov has just won the third set. He's up 2-1. I'm sitting there with, uh, with the Clem. good mate of both of ours. Yeah, Clem Tito, shout out to you, mate. I said to him, okay, Grigor's got a 2-1 lead here. I think he's going to win the, th- the fourth. What does he do? He goes on and loses a six-love. <laughs> um, so I had a bit of egg on my face there. Um, but yeah, that, that, was a, that was a tremendous match. And, and fair play to McKenzie because he was sensational to watch. Oh, he, was. Uh, he was really getting into it. You could tell he was just enjoying himself. Um, and eight, even six in the fifth. Yeah, so. eight, six, and even though he lost, he clearly won a lot of fans. He was really getting people involved in the match. You know, He was geeing people up, getting people on his side. Uh, it was it was just brilliant to watch and to tell that little uh, anecdote. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you about that. So you only had ground passes that day, but somehow yeah. managed to weasel your way into Rod Laver Arena. How did that happen? Yeah, um, so this was the second day I went to the tennis out of the first three. Um, so got a ground pass, uh, went in, watched Nick Kyrgios versus uh, Victor Troitsky at high sense. Got out of that match at about 9.30, um, went and sat in... Uh, Garden Square, which is like the, uh, for people that don't know, it's the kind of the courtyard um, at the Australian Open at Melbourne Park. Um, Very nice setup there. Yeah, with um, with uh, with Clem, our, our mate. Um, so I was sitting with with him there, just uh, having some water, or in his case, in his case, some Canadian Club, um, and a couple of uh, a couple of French fries, and we were just watching uh, Grigor versus uh, McDonald on the on the big screen there, and um, there are only two of us, and uh, this nice old lady just out of nowhere comes up behind us, taps us on the shoulder, and says, "Oh." Um, we're going home. We've been um, we've been here all day, like sitting in Rod Laver Arena. Um, do you want these two tickets? Um, so oh we, yeah, yeah. So we were like, oh well, okay, of course. <laughs> so uh, feeling a bit sheepish, we walked inside. Did you propose um, afterwards? No, I, I I didn't propose. I think she was about fifty years my oldest. So doesn't matter when they give you Rod Laver <laughs> tickets, you, you <laughs> just snap them up. Yeah, I thought about <laughs> it, and uh, so to paint the picture, um, where where in the in the tier. Uh, directly behind the umpire's chair on on the ground floor, so we had that's, spanking seats. That's pretty damn good. Um, and we got a spanking match as well. So uh, yeah, that was a that was a great match. Uh, one to save uh, certainly uh, in the second round. Brilliant stuff. And how, how nice of the old, the old lady to give you yeah. to give you a ticket like that. That's that's brilliant. And and it happened to a friend of mine the night after as well to oh, go okay. see Federer on Rod Laver. So it, it's been it's been a tournament of giving. That's why we call it the Happy Slam. But. Uh, it was, I think, the best match. I don't think there has been a match that's been better than that in, in terms of quality. Um, and in terms of dr- sheer drama, I think Mackenzie McDonald taking the fourth six love. I don't know how he did it, but he served and... Res- like he was well, just- I can explain it. it. Yeah, well, you can go for it. <laughs> the serve, the second the, serve yeah, of the Gregor se- Dimitrov. Well, actually, you know what? That's true. Because I think he was only winning for a world number three to only be winning 29% of your second serve That points. is horrendous. For a world number th- for anybody. That's bad. You're not going to win any matches. And he was lucky he did, but it was sheer experience that got him over the line. Now, my best match, a little bit from left field, but we all know on this show how much I love the doctor, Ivo Karlovic. <laughs> I, I adore this man. He beats Yuchi Sagita. He's turning 39 next month, mind you. 
7567-7546-1210. Now, for a 38-year-old to be playing matches that long, that would wreck you. That would destroy you. Yeah. And to win, let alone to win them and bang down 53 aces... It's just it's unheard of. But then he goes and does it again in the next match. <laughs> He's down two sets to love against Andreas Seppi. Uh, I think loses six three seven six in the first two sets. Wins the next two in a tiebreaker, and then ultimately falls nine seven in the fifth. But to back up like that and just keep bombing down aces, bombing down aces. Surely your arms would be sore. Surely, <laughs> shoulders <But> especially. <laughs> the match is the, the guy is a freak. He, he's unbelievable and. Honestly, I hope he plays until he's forty-five because he still probably could with the way that with the way that he serves and how good his serve is, how tall he is, because he gets such good angle on his opponents and they struggle to return it, especially if you're short. You, like imagine Karlovic v. Little Diego Schwartzman. Oh wow, um, Karlovic would be serving him over his head. So that's my best match, Sagita and Karlovic, just for that sole reason of his age at thirty-eight years old and to be doing that. Um, just phenomenal stuff from the big Croatian. But biggest upset now, Joel. There's been there's been a few of them, um, yeah. And one of them was today, but yours isn't that one, is it? No, mine is um, Dominic Team against uh, Tennis Sangren. And uh, look, by this stage, um, he's doing well. He's already knocked off Stan Wawrinka. But by mm. this point, I'm expecting him to get knocked out against Dominic Team. See, I wasn't. Um, uh, well, Dominic Team is a player I, I rate very highly, so I was ex- expecting him to get through here, and I'm yeah. just I'm just waiting for him to crack into a, a semi or even go well, he's done a semi go one French. further um, yeah but off even off clay though um, I mean, see that's that's the one that's why I didn't think he'd win it yeah. I thought you know what he's been to the fourth year before I thought it was his, it was he was a good chance to but I thought Sangren just after he won the first set I thought you know what team's gone <laughs> yeah so. yeah well I mean in the end he was and um, yeah th- this was a surprise and this is interesting about Tennis Sangren. I mean, for, for people that haven't seen it, <laughs> oh no, there is an excellent excerpt on Wikipedia about Tennis Sangren. It's under his personal life. Listen to this. Although Tennis Sangren is a tennis player from Tennessee, he's actually named after his great-grandfather, who did not play tennis and was not from Tennessee. How good is that? <laughs> it's, it's one of the best <laughs> Wikipedia entries I've ever seen. Um, you can't make that stuff up. No. Um, and he is from Tennessee. He is named after his grandfather. Um, Who was called Tennis. And yeah, he's called e- Tennis. Everything about it is just brilliant. So um, phenomenal stuff by whoever wrote that in Wikipedia. Um, you're an unsung hero. But uh, it's it's a good match you choose for your upset. Mine is a little different for today. Kyle Edmund. Now, yes. if you had have picked Kyle Edmund to make the semifinals of the Australian Open, I would have slapped you. <laughs> uh, 100% I would have slapped you uh, but he's knocked off Grigor Dimitrov in four sets today and Dimitrov I thought after his win over Nick Kyrgios in the fourth round I thought look he's lifted now this is what the good players do they peak at the right times in Grand Slam tournaments he didn't do that today um, second serve again really bad his, his serving has been a bit of an issue he has changed it his ball toss is a little bit higher and it's actually resulted in a, in a poor percentage of first and second serve points so uh, Unfortunately for Grigor, he can't defend his semi-final points, but Kyle Edmund today, he was superb. Everything he did turned to gold pretty much. He won 6-4, um, was up a break in the fourth. Dimitrov got it back, but he broke in the ninth game, served for it in the tenth, and, and as he said at the end of the match, he, he was praying that last ball was out. It was, and he's through. He's the first British man, get this, Joel, or first British man, sorry, other than Andy Murray, to make the semi-finals at the Australian Open since 1977. That's that was incredible. John Lloyd, who made the final uh, and lost to Vitas Gerolaitis. I'd never heard of who Vitas Gerolaitis was, but... Sounds a bit it, like Ricardus Barankis. Well, essentially, but there is some European singer named Vitas. You know, the guy with a really high voice? No, actually. Um, I will show you after the show, but... Okay. Um, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure listeners at Breakpoint have heard of Vitas before, and uh, he, he's become a bit of a comic relief on Facebook and Instagram, but um, uh, I, I did laugh a lot when I saw that today. But So, first, other than Murray, to make the semi since 77, Henman never did it. Uh, Rosetsky never did it. I think he's the, the sixth man in the open era from Great Britain to actually make the semis of a Grand Slam. That just shows how lean a period that British tennis has had in such a in such a vast, vast amount of time. So um, brilliantly done from Kyle Edmund today. But um, also another one, Heon Ch- Chung taking out Alexander Zverev. Now, I thought this was the Grand Slam that Zverev was going to make his mark. Mm. On the longer, the longer form, it's sort of Grand Slam is sort of like the Test cricket of tennis, essentially on the men's side. And I thought he was going to 
make that impact in the longer format over best of five sets. He hasn't done it before. Third round was his best appearance uh, at, at a Grand Slam. That was last year at the Australian Open. He faltered again, was up two sets to love. And get this, he only won five points in the final set against Chung. Chung destroyed him. He did, he did. Um, Hyun Chung's court coverage is is unbelievable. Um, and as we were talking about before, he really is, in, in a way, a reincarnation of, of Novak Djokovic. He plays exactly the same uh, style of tennis as him. Some of his passing shots are just superb. But look, Alex Verev, um, and I was telling you about this um, off air, Val, while he's probably the most exciting player on the whole ATP tour, he's just so disappointing, probably the most disappointing. Um, I'm just waiting for, for when, and I know he's still young, he's 20, he's doing a yep. lot of time on his side, but he just collapses so quickly. Um, and I, Oh, yeah, I'm, mentally. I'm just, I'm just really hoping more than anything that there comes a time in the next couple of years where he'll just he'll just hit a point where the mental side of his game, if anything, really goes to a new level because that's seriously holding him back. Um, and for an, another young player to go out and completely destroy him um, at the tail end of the match like that was really concerning for me. Um, and I'm sure he'll be very worried as well. Well, he dropped his bundle. And I think you summed that up perfectly. I, I don't think there's anything else that I can add to that that, that you didn't already say because... He does drop his bundle when he's down, and that that's the issue. But the thing is, he does desperately want it, and that's the yeah. thing. And I think if he can improve that, and look, he's only 20 years old. He's got plenty of time. So Zverev, look, he's still got a big tick for me in terms of his form and didn't have the best Australian Open, but look, he's surely he'll get there at one of the Grand Slams this year, at least to a quarterfinal. That's what, that's what we need to see, at least a quarter. And I think then... He's got time to actually make those advancements. Federer, I think, made his first Grand Slam quarterfinal. How old was he? I think he was 19. Um, Kyrgios did it young. Hyun Chung's done it um, now. But Zverev might be just a late bloomer at Grand Slams. He's won two Masters 1000s at 20 years old. So mm. he's got. He's got. He's he's not the next gen anymore. He's the now, and as we can he say is, about yeah. a lot of them. So look, it's. I think this is just a little blip in the road. Grand Slam flop at the moment, that will definitely change at some point this year. Surely, if he doesn't make a Grand Slam fourth round at least this year, then he's got some serious thinking to do. But at this stage, um, I think you can still say all the boxes are ticked for Alexander Zverev in his career so far. But now, the all-important thing. We've spoken about the big guns. We've spoken about the returns, the matches, predictions. The all-important predictions. Now, already one semi-finalist is set. That's Kyle Edmund. Who does he meet out of Rafa and Chilich, Joel? Uh, look for me, it's Rafa. Um, Rafa. I think I think Chilich will, will challenge Rafa certainly. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Um, but Rafa's a hard player to go against. Um, the, the way he plays, he's just he's just you, you've got faith in him as a tennis fan. Um, you you just expect this guy to deliver on the big stage. Um, and yeah, I think that's why he'll. He'll get through. I know Marin Cilic is, uh, of course, coming off a year where he made the Wimbledon final. Um, I just think that, that Rafa is going to be just, just too good. Yeah. Well, Rafa hasn't lost the Cilic since 2009, has won their last five meetings with the loss of only one set. But having said that, I'm going Cilic. <laughs> um, okay. I think Cilic is beating Nadal. I said it last week uh, on across the SAN, and I'm continuing with that. I'm, I've been, I, I predicted a Federer-Cilic Wimbledon final pretty early last year, and I was right. And when I'm right about Chilich, well, when I pick Chilich to do something, he generally goes and does it. So mm-hmm. um, I'm backing him in. I think he's flown re- highly under the radar uh, this tournament. He's been focused, uh, had dropped one set to Pablo Carreño Busta in the sec- in the fourth round, sorry. And I just think Raf is underdone. He hasn't been challenged. This is his first match uh, in a Grand Slam against a guy in the top 25 since Roland Garros last year. Wimbledon, he never played someone in the top 25. The US Open, he had a whole seven-match streak without playing someone in the top 25. And he's gone four matches here. Diego Schwartzman pushed him. That was four, did, yeah. four hours for four sets. He pushed him. If you can push Rafa, he's severely underdone and he's rusty. He's played against players that he generally eats for breakfast. Estrella Burgos, that's someone that Nadal would destroy on any given day. He'd destroy him on the moon. Um, with, the, with the way that he plays, one-handed backhand and someone that's not as good as, you know, someone like a Federer or a Stan to be able to combat him. Um, then who'd he play in the second round? Leonardo Meyer did take a set of him, off him at the US Open. But again, someone that Nadal would destroy. Same with Damir Jumhur. 
one of our favourite players. Yes. Um, so Nadal hasn't been tested yet. So I think Chilich is going to knock him off. And uh, so <clears throat> on the other side, excuse me, you've got uh, a, you've got Federer beating uh, who's he playing? Burdich tomorrow night. Yes, I completely forgot who was playing for a sec there. And uh, he on Chung yep. against so Chung to beat yeah. Sandrin. How many sets? Five. Five. And Federer over Burdich. Do you think in straight? Five. Five. Yeah. Ooh. Five. Well, Thomas Burdich. Um, he's in. Good on him. Good on him because he's a player that we were very negative about last year. Oh, yeah. I think he was your slider of the year, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was. He's had a sensational start to the year. So, good on you, Thomas. And I expect that um, he will push Roger Federer much harder than he did last year in the third third round. Yeah, third round. Well, did you hear what Federer said after the Australian Open yesterday? (laughs) uh, After his win yesterday, he goes, well, Thomas and I had a pretty good match last year. Well, I did anyway. Um, (laughs) That was very cheeky by Roger, but um, he he knows the challenge that Burdich possesses and... I I think Federer I think Federer will get through this in straight. I think he's going to say, "Look, Burdich is in form, but I'm going to make my mark on this tournament." And that's I think Federer will get through that one in straight there. Um, I know Burdich has pushed him in Grand Slams before. He's beaten him at the 2012 US Open and 2010 Wimbledon. Both times Federer was number one in the world. So that's that's where Burdich can actually come at. Well, come at this with a positive outlook, had match points against him uh, in Indian Wells last year, and then also pushed him at Wimbledon in the semifinals. It was two tie-break sets before Federer got on top in the third. So it's an interesting one there. So Chilich Edmund for me, and uh, I think it's going to be Chung and Federer like you, Joel. So who have you got winning um, this title, and who have you got yeah. in the final? Yeah, uh, so I think it's going to be a Fidel final. Yep, um, again. Uh, yeah, again. Um, yeah, oh, it's, it's so tough, isn't it, when yeah. these two come together? Um, look, I, th- I think the way things have been going, I don't think either player have, have been at the peak of their powers. Yep. Um, I think I think Roger Federer, though, is just a little bit... A little bit above where Rafa is at the moment, and he's got he's got the record on him at the or the wood on him at the moment. He's yeah, won he their does. last five, so and seven consecutive sets against Nadal. So, so you're going Federer. I'm going Federer over Chilich in the final. That's how it's going to be for me. Um, look, I'm excited about how the rest of the week is going to pan out tonight. It's going to be unbelievable between Roger uh, between Rafa and Marinette. Um, look. I guess we'll see how it all goes. And uh, Josh's prediction, he sent his in. Um, he is going for uh, Roger over Rafa in the final. So we're going to have a competition this year that I can be involved in along with the trivia. Now, we're going to make our picks so and count the tally of points. So you get, let's go two points if you pick a champion, one point if you pick a finalist. Okay. So if you pick... Um, so what it is, though, you have to pick them to have been a runner-up. It doesn't matter if they've... Oh, hang on. Should we make it like that? Or should we go... If you if you just pick them in the final, you will get a point anyway. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do you reckon? Okay, Why so not? if they make the final and lose, you get one point. But if you pick the champion and you say he's going to be the champion, even if, even if, if you pick him as runner-up and he wins, that's wrong. You only get a point. But if you pick him as the champion and he wins, you get two points. Let's do that. So... Um, Brian hasn't sent his in, so he might be a forfeit for the first round. <laughs> He'll have to come from behind. But after the break, we're going to talk about the women's draw. What's happened there? It's been an unbelievable draw, as we said at the start of the show. So open without Serena there. And one of Joel's favorites uh, is in the quarterfinals, Carla Suarez Navarro. I believe he said, <laughs> I believe he said that uh, she was the most boring or one of the worst players to watch on the WTA. <laughs> and here she is in a Grand Slam quarterfinal again. So we're going to bag Joel after the break. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Podcast. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. We are back talking the Australian Open and the women's draw. This time we've discussed the men's. Now, Joel, the women, this is going to be an unbelievable finish to the tournament. It's been awesome so far. I've loved every second of watching it because the drama has been it's, has been at a peak, really, because you mm. just don't know what 
is going to happen with Serena. And a journalist asked this to uh, uh, Joanna Conta uh, the other day, and Conta wasn't too pleased with the response or with with the question, saying, "Look, are we not good enough to win without Serena? Uh, with Serena in the draw?" And <laughs> the journo probably should have just said no, <laughs> because at the Australian Open, Serena owns this tournament essentially, and. Um, it, it's very it's very difficult to beat her, and you have to play at your best to defeat her. Not even we, your best. Yeah, you're above <laughs> above your best. Yeah, two hundred percent. And look, I, I joke because they are because they are very all capable of winning slams. But without with without Serena there, it makes things so interesting. And especially with Venus going in the first round, I had Venus winning the tournament before before it started. So uh, that went pretty pear shaped for me with Belinda Bencic beating her. But great to see her back. But Look, best best match of the tournament so far for yourself, Joel. Well, for me, there was one clear standout. I think it's hard to go past this. Yeah, and that was uh, Simona Harlett versus oh. Lauren Davis. Just about. I, was it the longest match in no, AO it Women's? Was, it was equal longest in terms of games. In games, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and it was, what, 15-13 in, in the third? In the third, yeah. Just 6-4, Just an, an incredible match. Um, and... Look, I actually kind of feel sorry for Lauren Davis because she she got a an issue with her with her toenails. Two of her toenails fell off. Yeah, and I, I don't know what that's like, but apparently it's very painful, um, and that that seemed to have have come around just at the wrong time. Um, but look, she was great in that in that match. Uh, she she never quit. And, um, and Simona Harlop, she had chance after chance to serve out that match, and she just would not go away. No. Um. So so good on her, and I yeah. mean she's a she's a great size for for a, for a tennis player. Yeah. Um. Certainly on the, on the women's side at least, yeah. just and, a real real terrier. And from what I've heard, one of the nicest people on the on the WTA. Okay. And, that, and that's what I like. I like hearing those stories about how nice players are because you often hear how arrogant and how yeah. and how rude and obnoxious they can be. And and apparently Lauren Davis is like a breath of fresh air, which is which is great. And it seemed when she asked, "Am I allowed to take a medical timeout?" Of course you're allowed. Yeah. It's, if your toe's falling off, you deserve a medical timeout. Yeah. And for, for what they were doing out there, they were just running and running and running, and it wasn't exactly yeah. cold. It was hot. Yeah, it was warm. Yeah, It was yeah. hot on court. So brilliant stuff there from Davis and Halep. Halep getting through the world number one, saving match three match points en route to the victory. Now, mine, Caroline Wozniacki against Jana Fett, the Croatian. Wozniacki was down 5-1 in the third set here. 40-15 on Fett's serve. Wozniacki comes back and wins, saves three match points and gets over the line, wins the last six games of the match to win. I don't know how she did it. I thought it was over. I thought her run at a Grand Slam was done. You did pick this within a year ago. You said within a year she'd win a Grand Slam. Yep, she's going to win this one. Are you Are you going for it? Yes. Well, it doesn't... Doesn't uh, oh no, hang on no, you do have it here. I was reading, I was reading a, a, a little run sheet. We'll get to your predictions after, but look, I think she's a genuine chance. If there is a time that Caroline Wozniacki is ever going to win a Grand Slam, it is now, and it has to be now because the yeah. French Open she won't win. Clay doesn't suit her. Grass probably doesn't suit her very well either, and the U.S. Open does. But will Serena be back by then? If she plays Serena, she's not beating Serena. There's no way. So, look, I, I think. I think this is Wozniacki's best chance with a comeback like that. Um, and the way she's played after that, I think she's been very good. I think she's been solid. Um, look, it's going to be interesting against Carlos Suarez-Navarro because... Very similar players. Suarez-Navarro has never made a Grand Slam semifinal, so she'll be out to, to prove a point. And Wozniacki hasn't made the semifinal in Melbourne since 2011, so she's out to prove a point as well. So, look, that, that was my match of the tournament so far. I think, well... Behind yours, I think yours definitely clear clear at the top. Unbelievable performance from both players. So uh, that's been our best matches. Now, biggest upsets, there have been a lot. Yeah, there have so, been. There have been plenty. Your one, I think, has to take the cake because I didn't expect this in any way, shape, form <laughs> yeah. or anything else that I could have expected. I expected this to be an absolute drubbing, and it kind of was, but the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, Belinda Bencic against the Thai woman, Kumkum. I was not expecting that at all. Um, yeah, really. Uh, after Belinda Bencic, um, how well she played in, in Perth at the Hopman Cup. And against Venus. Um, uh, yeah, and against Venus. I was not expecting her at all to, to lose this match. I thought she'd win comfortably. Um, and I say that with all due respect. Um, mm. Kumkum is not a player I knew a lot about yeah. um, before this tournament. So did you know she had a two-hand forehand? I did not know that. Neither I didn't did know I. anyone had a two-hand forehand except Rafael Nadal. Neither did I. Um, it was I. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting in her match against Petra Matic next up um, for two hours 
before I realized, oh, yeah, she's got a two-hand forehand. <laughs> she releases one of the hands very late, and okay. she can hit it one-handed, but a lot of the time it is a two-handed forehand, and she hits the ball really aggressively and solidly, and that's where she got Benchich, but I just didn't expect it at all. It came out of nowhere. She's a qualifier, for God's sake. And, and yeah. beats Belinda Bencic, who's just beaten a Williams sister for the fir- for um, Venus for the first time. Sorry, so she was looking so good. I know, so good, Belinda Bencic. Yeah, she was one on in fire. Ku- one in Kuyong too. Yeah, she was. Just, that doesn't she, really mean much, but it, well, it doesn't. But <laughs> she was playing very good tennis. At yeah, the time. unbelievable. My my upset though, Joel, was that Su- Shay Suwei over Gabinia Muguruza. I'm not sure how she did this, and she <laughs> she's not sure how she did it. She walked off wrong uh, the wrong entrance in Rod Laver Arena. Oh, so um, she's gone. Because you go, when you're walking from the umpire's chair, you go to do your interview in the middle of the court. Then you go to the left in the top corner near where all the commentary bunkers are, the tunnel. She's gone, kept going right, and kept going to the other entrance, which is the worst, I think, one of the furthest ways you can go. So she's gone off the wrong way. And um, the the organizers have called her back and said, no, you've got to come back this way. So she's laughed and, and run back off. But that's how little I think everybody expected her to win. But Muguruza... Danger times because she retired from Brisbane with uh, cramp, then pulled out of Sydney her Sydney quarterfinal against Dara Gavrilova, and now she's lost to Shay Su Wei, who yeah. in her own right played a ripping tournament. Yeah, she did. She could have beaten Angelique Kerber yesterday, hundred percent. She won the yeah. first set, um, was three points away from the match, and the angle she was getting, Joel. Oh, she was painting the tram lines. Unbelievable. I think we're both speechless with yeah. how much she was I, getting. I just wasn't expecting that from her, um, of all players. That was very surprising. But to her credit, um, you know, she she played well. Um, and you know, on either side of either side of the draw, um, men's or women's, it doesn't matter what what gender it is. If you can get that kind of of accuracy and hit hit the corners like she was doing, you're going to win most of your matches. Yeah, um, oh. and it's. It's it's unbelievable that she didn't win that game really against Angie Kerber, but it probably says, I'd say, more about Angie Kerber that she managed to find a way back in and how yeah. well she's playing at the moment. Yeah, oh, she she has been in unbelievable form. She's back to the form, I reckon, almost the, when she won the 2016 tournament and the Australian and the US. So that brings us to our predictions, Joel, and your semi-final matchups, please. Yeah, so I've got Carolina Pliskova up against Angie Kerber. I think Angie will win that. Um, and on the other side, uh, obviously Elise Mertens, who's already through. Uh, I've got her up against Caro. I think Caro will, will win. Yep. Um, and uh, a final that on paper um, and on the court as well, um, very, very entertaining. Uh, a lot of shot making, a lot of rallying, a lot of running. Angie versus Caroline Wozniacki. Um, I just She's sad to go for four hours. Yeah, it, it could well. I, I just think it's it's Caro's time. Um, yeah. I think she's going to win this, and I'm, I've said it before, and I've picked her to win Grand Slams before, and on occasion it's <laughs> you have. failed abysmally. But on this, I'm just going to back it in. I think she's going to win this. Yeah, well, this is tough. I, I, I'm honestly not sure. I think Kara's making the final, 100. Um, on the top half, Kerber Keys. Keys has only been on court for four hours and ten minutes in her four, yeah. in her four rounds. So She's I, gone quietly, hasn't she? She's slipped so far under the radar. She destroyed Caroline Garcia. So, look, I'm, I, I think Halep is going to beat Pliskova. Um, I, hope, I do like Simona Halep, so, and I like Pliskova as well. But I think Halep beats Pliskova. I think Kerber just, and when I mean just, I mean by... By a cat hair, a bee's diaphragm. Yeah, exactly. Um, over over Madison Keys. So, Halep and Kerber. I, I want to say Halep. I want Halep to get to. I want it to be a battle of players that haven't made that haven't won a slam. And I think Halep is going to make the final. Um, and Wozniacki, I think he's going to get over the top. Actually, you know what? No, change that. I'm going. Oh. Halep, Halep's going to get over the top. Okay. Yeah, Wozniacki's a dud in finals. Fair enough. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't been convinced at all by Simona Harlow, but Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, to be honest, I've wanted to change it three times since I've said it. So, uh, no, I'm sticking with it. Halep is going to do it. Halep is going to beat Wozniacki in the final. I'm going to be very wrong. I'm going to stew my no. words. My bowl of words is back for 2018. Um, and, yeah, before we wrap up, we're going to get to a break. And actually, no, we've got to read Josh's predictions here. So, what, did, what has Josh said? Women's Wozniacki beats Keys in the final. So, you have a friend in the prodigy, uh, Josh Campbell, uh, 
I think Keys is a very... I think any of them are a realistic chance of winning this title. So even Elise Mertens, I think we might be writing her off too soon. Who the hell knows with the women's draw at the moment? It's been that good. Uh, we're going to wrap up after the break. Val Febo and Joel Fritchie here with you on Breakpoint Podcast. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. Here to wrap up Breakpoint Podcast, Val Febo and Joel Fritchie. It's been an awesome night getting back into the chair, the host chair with Joel and talking about the world of tennis again in 2018. This is our fourth fourth year, really. We've done it in a bit of 2015, 16, 17 and now 18. So we've been going across four different years. It's only been two and a half, really, but um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we're, we're happy to be back in the new year. It's going to be a phenomenal year of tennis. We're going to see some new champions, I think, and we're going to. I think Joel, do you reckon we'll still see the old guys fighting, or will there be a dip this year? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, they haven't sh- showed any signs of slowing down, have no, they? No, not at all. Um, yeah, and no, at the best of times, I think we'll we'll still see them fighting. Um, yeah, there's. Just- there really hasn't been any slowing down. There hasn't. No, there hasn't at all. So look, it's it's an it's been a remarkable start. We've seen the young guys like Medvedev and Kyrgios get some titles, and, and we've seen Federer and Nadal still playing some quality tennis. So, and and on the women's side as well, Halep winning a title in um, I think Hua Hin. She was the first world number one since Wimbledon 2016 to win a title. So that's how long it's been um, for for a WTA number one to get one. So brilliant stuff from her, and I think it's going to be a really close season on the women's side as well. But Joel, just before we do go. Um, I want you to give me one sure thing that will happen in 2018, men's or women's. One sure thing, okay. Mm. Um, I think uh, Hyun Chung will win a title. Hyun Chung will win a title. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Well, I could go for the really easy one. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm, Ash Barty will make the top ten. Okay. Yeah. Actually, we haven't really touched on many of the Australians tonight, but we can do that next week um, when we have our Australian Open wrap. So we'll touch on all the Aussies then. Um, remember, follow us on Twitter, Breakpoint Pod, Instagram, Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook, uh, Breakpoint, and I think it's at Breakpoint One if you want to tag us in something. Uh, you can even follow us on Wushka, subscribe. We'll be on iTunes as well. Uh, that's just if you search on Wushka Breakpoint Podcast, that should come up. And um, yeah, we're excited to be back in 2018. Uh, we got listeners all over the world for our year-end show last year. We can analyze the where they listen, Joel, on Wushka. And we had one uh, in Panama, Malaysia. So to all of our wonderful fans out there, um, we bid you a hello. And we hope that you can stay listening to us for the rest of 2018 and beyond. So, Joel Fritchie, thank you so much for being in the studio with me tonight. Pleasure, Val. Speak to you soon. Thank you. And Val Febo here with you on Breakpoint Podcast. Hope everybody has a lovely day and a lovely week.